The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We want to start today by digging into the UCP government's fair deal panel report. The premier says Albertans don't want special treatment, just fair treatment. He says that is the conclusion of the report, which has put forth 25 recommendations after surveying tens of thousands of people across the province. Now, the recommendations include uh, a push for a referendum on equalization payments, looking into the feasibility of withdrawing from the Canada pension plan, uh, creating an Alberta pension plan, and the possibility of creating a provincial police force. What is the reality, though, of any of this happening? What would it look like? Uh, happy to have Dr. Dwayne Bratt, political science t- uh, professor at Mount Royal University, joining us this afternoon. Uh, Dwayne, welcome back to the show. Good afternoon. All right, let's start with this. Are any of these 25 suggestions uh, surprising or new? It seems to me I've heard a lot of them. Certainly, uh, they were a lot of them were campaigned on uh, in in the in the lead up to the election. No, Kenny got what he wanted. Um, <laughs> I often start with the whole let's have a referendum on equalization tied into the municipal elections uh, in the fall of 2021. That was an explicit campaign promise made by the. UCP in 2019, and lo and behold, it's recommendation number two in the uh, in the report. The only thing we don't know is the wording of the question. The the fact mm. that we're going to have a referendum on equalization, I think that was preordained. Likewise, much of the rest of this. Um, one way to think about this is the um, is the comparison with the firewall letter that yes. a bunch of prominent conservatives sent to Ralph Klein about 20 years ago, including mm-hmm. um, Stephen Harper and Tom Flanagan and, and Ted Morton. Uh, the difference between then and now is these were a group of, of outsiders submitting a, an unsolicited letter to Ralph Klein, who politely declined uh, their uh, suggestions. In this case, it is being driven and led by the Premier. So Jason Kenney makes this announcement at a big conference in Red Deer after the uh, the fall federal election. With the exception of the equalization referendum, the rest of this wasn't discussed prior to the election. It wasn't campaigned on. It just seemed not quite out of the blue, uh, but it was in a response to the results of that federal election. He handpicks a panel, all conservatives, some actual MLAs for the UCP party, uh, gives them a mandate of here are the things I'd like to look at. And they looked at those things and made recommendations (laughs) and said, yeah, we should have a provincial police force. Yes, we should pull out of the CPP. Interesting. Let's go to this equalization uh, referendum and and what this would mean, what it what it could mean. Um, Premier Kenny saying a yes vote doesn't mean we get what we want, but it would it would push the issue, um, you know, push it into into more. Um, you know, higher up on the the chart when it comes to, okay, we're going to pay attention to this. He says it would elevate the fight for fairness. Do you think that there is, um, you know, good reasoning for at least having a conversation about equalization and maybe changing the formula? Oh, it, it, absolutely. I think we can always discuss uh, changes in, in formula, but that's not what's driving this. This is being yeah. driven by 
One, an overall lack of understanding of what the equalization program is, what its purposes are. Um, Second, that it is explicitly uh, anti-Quebec. The idea that we send all of this money to Quebec, uh, Quebec gets to have $7 daycare, and then punishes Alberta by not allowing uh, Energy East. Um, That's kind of the the critique of equalization. Uh, It ignores the fact that Quebec also has the highest taxes in the world in, in Canada that Alberta has the lowest taxes uh, in in Canada um, and it it conflates equalization with other policy areas like pipelines like bill c sixty nine um, it also conflates and this is where the lack of understanding comes from this belief that somehow the Alberta treasurer sits there every year and writes a check to Quebec and Manitoba and, and New Brunswick and the, and the rest of them in fact it's tax dollars from Albertans that go into the federal treasury then is redistributed so that there's some rough level uh, of equality in services uh, across the province. There is no formula that could have Alberta receive money. Despite the economic downturn over the last five years, Albertans remain the richest people in Canada. And as a result, we're going to get less. um, uh, We're going to pay into the system, not receive uh, money from the system. The Premier is saying this morning, he was on with Danielle Smith uh, this morning, saying that, you know, if if uh, they didn't get uh, support for it, then they would look to the other four net contributors, um, or, you know, including Saskatchewan, B.C., Ontario, to see if they would come on board and, and push for support on that front as well. Um, what would that look like, and, and do you think that would do anything? Well, it is a federal program. What the panel recommended was a question about, Um, changing the Constitution because there's a clause about equalization in the Canadian Constitution. I think that's a pretty high bar to do. Even if you got support from B.C., Saskatchewan, and and Newfoundland, uh, it wouldn't go through because you need seven provinces, not four, um, to to get that through. Um, If the question was, let's reform it, and you brought all of the provinces to the table, each of them is going to have different metrics on how they want to measure yeah. things and that's it would just it would just bog down and of course the big irony of this and it's mentioned in the report but it doesn't give the backstory of the report it talks about you know how the Trudeau government uh, unilaterally um, um, continued the uh, the formula for another five years without debate and dialogue that is true, but what they failed to mention is that the existing formula was drafted and created by Stephen Harper, and Jason Kenney was part of that cabinet that made those decisions. That's not mentioned in the in the report. You didn't hear a whole lot about equalization uh, during the Harper years. Um, equalization started to occur um, when uh, when there was a downturn in the Alberta economy, and it yeah. really escalated uh, with uh, with the election of Trudeau. There is going to be, um, you know, I, I don't even have to look at my text line right now because I can tell you that uh, a lot of Albertans, or certainly the the texters to the to the to this radio show and to this station, are really ticked off uh, about about equalization oh, payments, absolutely. especially and to that's Quebec. Why I yeah. have said 
that a referendum on equalization would pass with 70 to yeah. you know 85 yeah. percent uh, support. Um, and, and part of that is is the explanation that I just gave. You know that Alberta's um, you know in an economic downturn. Why are we paying this money? Mm-hmm. Well, we're still the richest province. Yeah. We we still yeah, have the it- richest people. Interesting. I mean, as we move out of, um, you know, under the this big cloud of COVID that's been hanging over us for the past number of months, we, we saw a lot of the the, the, the game of politics uh, quiet down. But as we're moving out of this, we're seeing it pick up again. I mean, there's there's no surprise that this has come out now. Um, and we're starting to see more of those, um, those punches being thrown uh, towards, uh, you know, Ottawa's direction. Uh, what, what do you think that this is going to look like? over the next coming months just going to pick up more steam oh absolutely um so the the report was supposed to have been delivered to um the alberta government by the end of march Mm -hmm. they got an extension to mid-april then it was may that the government acknowledged that it had received the report, but it wasn't going to release it till it had dropped the emergency orders around COVID. And so now it's back. Uh, I'm surprised in a sense that they're going as hardcore with this, given the amount of federal-provincial cooperation that existed over COVID, and given the amount of federal aid that that flowed into uh, to many Albertans' households uh, over the last several several months. Um, so so it's uh, it appears that that, that politics are, are back, uh, <laughs> back and uh, and the fight is on. Let's talk about this provincial police force. I know there was a poll done back in March that found only about a third want, a third of Albertans wanted that. There's been a lot of talk about policing, of course, over the past number of weeks, especially. Do you think this would help or improve that in, in any way? I don't think and, it and can, would make a difference. And can the province afford it? I don't think it'll make a difference one way or the other. It's about an extra $140 million yeah. uh, a year. Uh, that sounds like a lot of money, but it's probably the least amount of money of any of these other proposals. Yeah. Uh, I think the police force is the most likely one to occur, even though the the poll in the report showed you know uh, only 30% plus people wanted it, even though a poll that I was involved in in March showed the same number, I think they discount the people living in Calgary and Edmonton. This is really driven by rural Alberta, and it fits well with the rural crime agenda that the conservatives are already dealing with. So creating an Alberta parole board, creating an Alberta chief firearms officer, Mm -hmm. threatening to sue Ottawa over its gun legislation. This fits with it. I don't think it solves the rural crime issue. I don't think changing the uniform will do that. And in fact, when you read the report, much of the complaints dealt with, you know, the justice system and the federal criminal laws and changing the police force, I don't think adjusts any of that, but it's a very strong symbolic move to the base of support of the uh, the UCP. And that's why I think it'll occur. 
Okay, interesting. I want to talk about uh, this this pension plan plan uh, as well. You know, talking about pulling out of the Canada pension plan. I, I see support. You know, for of course equalization, possibly for a police force. I'm seeing a lot of people saying, "Hey, keep your hands off my pension money." Uh, a lot of folks, uh, n- not really. That's not blowing their skirt up at all. They're they're not interested. No, and the government's uh, about, yeah. being very cautious on this on this one. And while I think the police force will happen. I don't think the pension plan will, uh, even if it goes to a referendum, because as with the police force, there's only a minority that agree with it. There's so many unanswered questions. And I'll just give you one. And this is right out of the report. They said that Alberta would receive back from the CPP if we separated it from it anywhere between 40 and 70 billion dollars. Well, that's a pretty big discrepancy. Yep. What happens if the Alberta government says we're owed seventy billion, and Ottawa says no? According to our calculations, it's forty billion. Uh, that's that's a big divide. Um, what about portability going from province to province? Um, you know, all of those things yeah. would have to be negotiated. And the benefits that are outlined is that our premiums would be less, and our premiums would be less because we have the youngest province. We also do it uh, benefit because people leave the province to retire. So we have a young population and our retirees, not all of them, but some, a significant number, leave and, and go to, to BC and, and, and elsewhere. So uh, that's, can you predict that that's what's going to look like 10, 15, 20 years ahead? The report mentions, and you hear it all the time from Premier Kenny and his supporters, well, Quebec's got its own pension plan. Yeah. But Quebec's pension plan was established simultaneously with the Canadian pension plan back in the 1960s. No province has ever pulled out of the CPP. So we're in uncharted territory. And maybe it's fine to experiment with a police force, you know, changing its name and changing its organization. I don't think people like a lot of uncertainty when it comes to their pensions. No, not at all. Uh, Dr. Brett, just before uh, we, we wrap things up, and I want to thank you for your input on this uh, fair deal of report, I wanted to just pick your brain quickly on uh, that, that campaigning for the, uh, that, that temporary seat uh, on, the UN, on the UN Security Council. Trudeau, uh, the, the federal government, did not manage to get that seat. They lost in that first round, Norway, Ireland in. How big of a... Um, loss is this to the to the Trudeau Liberals? I think it's a very big loss to the Trudeau Liberals. Um, if we separate them from, from Canada, it's because when Stephen Harper, who was never a fan of the UN, kind of half-heartedly decided to campaign for a seat back in 2010, because that had been the tradition in Canadian politics uh, towards the UN that we sit on there about once a decade and we didn't get on. The Liberals mm-hmm. were very critical of, of Harper. That's right. uh, Justin Trudeau campaigned in 2015 saying, we will get on uh, the Security Council. Canada's back. And then over the last year or so, uh, Justin Trudeau has traveled much of the world. He has uh, worked and lobbied uh, world leaders. He has sent Joe Clark and Jean Charest out on his behalf. 
Uh, he really tried to put his personal stamp, personal brand on doing this. And had they got on the, the Security Council, he would have taken full credit, deservedly yeah. so, for the work that he did. The fact that he failed in doing so um, means he has to wear this. And it's a bigger hit than Harper because Harper was skeptical about the UN and he didn't put the full effort in like Trudeau did and he didn't mm. connect it personally to him like Trudeau yeah. did. It says something about Canadian foreign policy as well, but on it the does. Trudeau <laughs> brand, uh, this I think is damaging. And Dr. Dwayne Bratt joining us this afternoon. Always good to talk with you, Dwayne. I appreciate your time today. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you so much. That is Dwayne Bratt, of course, a political scientist at uh, Mount Royal University, talking about that fair deal panel.